You're listening to The Over 50 Entrepreneur, the podcast that's dedicated to the business builders who are only getting started when most are winding down. This is the place to discover how to create more freedom from your business while growing the value of your business. Now here's your host, Rick Hadrava. Hey guys, this is Rick Hadrava, and you're listening to the Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast. As always, so grateful that you took the opportunity to listen to our program today, and I think you're going to love this. I love today's guest, and I'm guessing very much so that you will too. Not only has this business owner served our country, serving in the United States Navy, but he decided to purchase a small business with a sweet history. And I think you'll like that reference here in a little bit. His company, Woody Candy Company, goes all the way back to 1927, folks. That, that's when it was founded by Claude Woody when he returned from service in World War II. This is a historic company with deep roots and a great story. And, you know, as I thought about it so many times in this day and age, we, we seem to give a lot of praise to technology and startup companies with lots of money being thrown at these things. And they seem to get all the press. I'm super excited to share Brian's story and share more about a a company that's persisted through ups and downs, that's been around and a stable in the Oklahoma City community. So without further ado, let me welcome Brian Jackson to the Over 50 podcast. Brian, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having us. I can't tell you how much I appreciate being here. Well, you know, we talked a little bit before the show. Um, you've grown up in this community, and you've got a good story yourself. Why don't you share with us a little bit of your background as we work our way up to you purchasing Woody Candy Company? Sure thing. Uh, as you mentioned, I grew up here in Oklahoma City, and um, was a customer of Woody Candy Company growing up, and after after growing up here, went off to uh, went off to school, and after I graduated from undergrad in two thousand one, and uh, right in the in the in a time period where the tech bubble was officially popping, or maybe had just burst, kind of depends on uh, the time frame that you look at it from. And the job market was not awesome. And I had a few opportunities to go do some things and just didn't really find anything that uh, really that, that really felt like a good fit. And September 11th happened. And at that point, I, I knew exactly that I was going to be joining the military. And so went down that road, was a logistics officer in the Navy for a, a little while, um, and then got out of the military, used the GI Bill to further education, um, and and got an MBA in emphasizing uh, finance, accounting, and operations management, and then um, was a consultant for a major consulting firm for a while, and, and kind of de- determined that it would be great to kind of be the guy calling the shots and uh, the opportunity presented itself with Woody Candy Company to get back to Oklahoma City after being abroad in a way for quite a while. And I thought that sounded pretty attractive. And so we made the move to purchase Woody Candy Company and my dad and I bought it together. And uh, that's been about, well, almost seven years ago to the day now. And so we've been 
we've been at it for a little while now. We bought it from the Woody family. Um, and our, we're, you know, we, we, we think of ourselves as the, uh, the keepers of the, of the treasure, so to speak, not, you know, not that we are, uh, the world's most phenomenal candy, um, creators of, of new products, but, uh, you know, we certainly have created new products and, and those have done well, but, um, you know, we're the, we're trying not to mess up a, a great thing, so to speak. I understand. Well, first of all, thank you for your service. Um, we, we do appreciate it and, and we want to acknowledge that, but I want to, I want to dig a little deeper. Great. You decided to buy Woody candy company, but what was the triggering point for you? Were you living out of state and, and, and how did you come across the opportunity? Let me answer the, uh, how we came across the opportunity side first. Okay. Uh, my, my dad and Claude Woody Jr. have been, uh, their, their business history goes back into the early seventies and the oil days of, you know, the, the oil days in Oklahoma city in the seventies. And so we have been aware of and customers of Woody Candy Company since then. And uh, my dad ran into Claude one day in July or August of, let me see, I guess it was about in 2013, and um, just asked him how things are going and, and what's the latest and greatest with the candy company. And at that point, he and I had kind of started the search of, hey, let's go buy something together and kind of have our own family, family owned and operated business. And when he ran into Claude, uh, Claude mentioned, Claude Jr. mentioned that he was uh, looking for an exit strategy and hadn't really found one and most likely was going to shut down the company after Christmas of 2013. And so at that point, we told him, um, you know, maybe we'd like to take a look at it and see if it's something that fits for us. And after looking at it for, for a while and you know, digging through it and obviously taste testing everything that we could <laughs> get our hands on, which is the most painful part of it all, obviously. Yes. Um, we, uh, we decided to, to make the move and uh, February 1st of 14, uh, we signed all the paperwork and became the uh, owners of Woody Candy Company. So, um, kind of to your question of why, um, what was the first part of the question? Was it why Woody Candy Company? Or, well, or I, can't, I, I can't honestly remember. Yeah, I, th I no, I think you did. I think you explained that basically the opportunity presented itself, but but you made mention that you came back to Oklahoma, and I was just curious. Yeah. Was yeah. was this was this the the thing that got you back to Oklahoma or were you already thinking about coming back and then, um, looking for a company to buy? Some of both of those, uh, I, I was not yet living back in Oklahoma, but from the time I graduated high school, um, in 97 to 2013, I had lived away. And I mean, when I was in the military, I was stationed in Japan for a couple of years. And I guess from the time I, I left after high school to the time I came back, I had either lived or worked in, I think, 30 different countries. 
And what that really taught me was that Oklahoma City is a great place to live and work and raise a family. And I was not married at the time, but uh, at the time I was I was living in Dallas and Dallas, it, there's there's a lot of great things about Dallas. I've got two older brothers that live down there, but um, I was not tied to living in in Dallas for you know for any particular reason. Um, and kind of I was at the point where if the opportunity presented itself and it was attractive enough, I would I would move to Dallas or, or stay in Dallas or move to Oklahoma City or Houston, you know. But I wanted to stay in the south central part of the U.S. And it, it just so happened that Oklahoma City was a uh, fertile hunting ground, if you will, for opportunities at that point in time. And uh, there were there were a couple of different things that we were looking at and we were able to make things happen with Woody Candy. And I was more than happy to move back to Oklahoma. And, and I totally agree. I think several of us, myself included, have done that over our careers. And, you know, um, we'll give a little plug here because I know there's a lot of movement around the country these days from coast to coast and people moving to different states. And I, I think that's one thing that people that visit, you know, Oklahoma, whether it's Oklahoma City or Tulsa or surrounding areas, um, they're a little surprised, I think, what, what they think. Absolutely. It is versus the reality. Well, you okay, let's go back to consulting for a second, because if I understand right, mm-hmm. that that's what you did, finance and auditing and operations. So uh, I'm curious the contrasting experiences of of that versus now you're running Woody Candy Company. Um, does anything stick out in your mind as to, you know, the experience as you've transitioned this company over the last seven, seven years? As in comparing and contrasting consulting versus running a company? Yeah, I mean, you know, not going from the consulting part to now you're now you're owning this company. I'm just curious if anything, if you've learned anything different from that experience. Well, certainly, um, you know, when I was when I was consulting, um, I was with. Deloitte Consulting and some of the projects that we were working on were extremely high level. Um, they, they were projects where the the dollar values of the things that you're trying to accomplish are in the billions of dollars, and mm-hmm. you know, and so moving moving the needle one percent for those kinds of things, those are huge dollar savings, you know, one way or the other, and. You know, driving it, driving some of that to Woody Candy Company of saving one percent here or two percent there. You know, you can really you can apply those lessons learned there and and realize that you know that that one percent on shipping or cost of goods sold here or there. You know that that adds up at the end of the year, and that's money in my pocket. That's not money that we're saving the taxpayers at this point. That's and it's it's a a lot of the lessons are the same, but the end result is much more tangible. Um, you know, one of the projects was trying to save money for DOD maintenance expenditure, which is a hundred billion dollar a year line item in the DOD budget. Well, you save one percent, that's a billion dollars to the to the taxpayers, that's great. But do the taxpayers really ever see that? And right. and that's you know, it's a little it's it's a little fuzzy and, and less tangible, but 
owning Woody Candy Company and saving one or five percent on your cost of goods sold or freight or something that's just a, a straight expense item, you know, that's I see the the difference in the financial statements in the in the bank account at the end of the year and that's a beautiful thing. So <laughs> so yeah, there are absolutely there are absolutely some uh, some parallels there that 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 cross pollinate for sure. Well, on that same note, so early on, were there any stories that stick out in your mind or or surprises, positive, um, challenging along the way when you when you took over Woody Candy? The biggest surprise was. Um, the regulatory environment for food manufacturing. Um, and when I was, so when I was in the Navy, part of my job was I was the food service officer on the USNS Comfort um, in 2007. And for about a six month period of time, we were deployed down to Central and South America. And I was in charge of food operations. And we were serving, we had about 75 people working for me and we were serving about 2,500 meals a day. And military food service is audited on the accountability and the inventory of the food in your storage rooms. And is it, is it cooked properly so that people are not getting sick on ships? Fairly important deal so that you don't have, you know, a, a food illness outbreak of 800 crew members, everybody laid up or or, you know, fighting for a spot in the bathroom kind of thing. That's sure. a bad day. <laughs> yeah. um, and whereas um, in the civilian food manufacturing um, regulatory environment, there, there are a lot of safeguards in place to make sure that the things that you find on the shelves at grocery stores and convenience stores and any, you know, commercially available retail food item is is made in a safe manner and is not adulterated and is is preserved properly and a lot of those things are absolutely necessary and i and i agree with most all of that uh there are some things where it gets to be you know in in my opinion overreach of of the the regulators of you know some of the things that that they look for and and that part has been a, a little bit surprising, a little bit of a headache. And by no means am I the only person that has some some disagreements with some of those auditors from time to time. But that's the nature of the beast, and you gotta you gotta work with it and figure it out. And um, you know, it's part of the cost of doing business. And so you get through it and you figure it out. And uh, that that caught me by surprise. Um, yeah. I knew that there would be. I knew that there would be oversight. I knew that there would be auditing because you need that and you have to have that to ensure a good, safe food supply. And that's, that's a good thing. Um, I've been to other countries that don't have that and you do not touch the fresh fruits and vegetables in those places because you, I'm not going to get into it, but you do not want to know what they're using for fertilizer and how long ago it was applied. And let's just leave it at that. (laughs) I understand. So, well, so, Tell us a little bit. Let, let's get behind the curtain a little bit. And, you know, my sweet tooth is kicking in here. Um, mm-hmm. So you've got all these varieties of candies that you guys put out. Um, I'm just I'm just curious, like, tell us a little bit about the variety. Are there any stories behind any of the candies that you guys put out that that you could share with our audience? 
Well, the uh, the English butter toffee that we make is, uh, I would say, second to none. Uh, we're not we're not as well known on the national scale as uh, some of our competitors, and and that's fine. That's the nature of the beast. Um, but if we do side by side taste tests, I I welcome that with open arms anytime. Um, I would stand by our product. Uh, really in, with any of the products that we make um, on a side-by-side taste test uh, comparison. We, everything that we make is handmade. It's, it's not machine-made, and that really makes a difference. Um, we, we use nothing but the highest quality ingredients that we can get our hands on. Um, and, and I think that the, that the consumer can really taste the difference, and they they might not realize that the difference that they're tasting is handmade versus machine made and mass produced. But at the end of the day, I think, you know, bang for the buck, we, we present a really compelling, if not better value than, than a lot of others out there. Not to say that they're not producing great products, but I think that, um, you know, we, we, we can really hold our own against a lot of the, the bigger players out there. Um, insofar as what are our best-selling products, that really boils the – there are three that stand out, four that stand out above all the others. It's our, our English butter toffee, our uh, peanut brittle, our chocolate pecan fudge, and our turtles. And those are th- – those four um, – really are just phenomenal. Well, and and I have to say that we had a box of your candy make its way into our office um, over the holidays, and I was blown away and maybe not happy with you because, um, you know, I'm a nibbler (laughs) and I got a sweet tooth. It's really good stuff. But so, so Brian, uh, as you were sharing this, the thought that came to my mind is, you know, I talk about, we have a lot of new companies that we work with. We have a lot of old companies that we work with and yours is kind of in the middle. You got a a company just steeped in tradition, been around forever. And I'm just curious, I'm curious, how do you market in this day and age, you know, because it's not the same as it was in 1927. Right. Right. Um, right. so, So how, I mean, obviously you're on the show today, you're sharing your message, your story, and that gets publicity. But, but outside of that, what do you guys do to, to market your company? Well, there, uh, there are trade shows that we go to and participate in and, um, and selling shows and things along those lines and participate in, the Made in Oklahoma Coalition is a is a pretty strong coalition of about seventy five or eighty companies that we uh, we kind of co opt some some marketing opportunities there. We're we're exploring getting more involved with social media to start attracting the next generation of customers. Um, that's a, that's an awfully sticky tough algorithm to figure out uh, and. That's that's not my strong suit. I'm I'm more of a ones and zeros and and operations engineer type of uh, type of guy. And so the uh, the social media advertising and marketing thing is is something that I need to get better at. Um, and so 
you know, those those kinds of things uh, have really been the drivers of of marketing for us, and um, and also talking with some of our clients and and some of our bigger customers of that have been a, that have been loyal customers and clients for a while, and asking them, hey, do you have anybody that you do business with or that is similar to you that you work with that you wouldn't mind giving us a, a good word and a plug for and, and sharing our, our story with. And, you know, that, that reference selling um, really is, it's a, it's a lot better than cold calling for sure. Yeah. At, well, like any business, if somebody's willing to, to make an introduction or, or refer you, there's a little bit of confidence there. And um, I, I get that. So, it begs a question. You're making this candy handmade. You got natural ingredients. You know, you said the best that you can get your hands on. If your company were to grow 10x in 2021, mm-hmm. in 2021, what would be the biggest challenge for you guys? Storage capacity. For for ingredients? Uh, for finished goods. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Storage capacity and um, and personnel. We would need to hire more candy makers and get them trained and skilled up to the standards that we that we hold. So, so um, have you have you considered like any sort of automation, or does that just go against everything that that you guys stand for with the company? It doesn't necessarily go against what we stand for. Some of the things that we do, you just cannot automate. Um, but, you know, insofar as machinery to help pack candy and help do the, you know, that side of the of the production line, we're absolutely ready to, to pull the trigger on those kinds of capital investments. Um, but the automation of the production of the candy it, that's that's not something i'm ready to go do I understand um, because you know there and 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 some of the recipes that we have we've we've tried different mechanisms to not necessarily automate but to speed up the the production process by using instead of hand stirring a, a batch of candy for 45 minutes put it into a mechanical uh, stirring machine and um, see if we can get that machine to, to stir the candy instead. And I, I, I'm not a food scientist. I don't know exactly why, but it just boils over and blows up and it just turns into a giant mess. And so, <laughs> um, but to, to answer your question, a 10x growth this year, it would be personnel and storage capacity for finished goods would be the, the, uh, the two challenges. Good. Well, I appreciate you sharing that with us. It, it and it kind of leads me into one of my last questions here as we get towards the end of today's program. Um, you've been doing this for seven years, you and your dad bought the company. If you were to go back and start over, do it over, on this journey, is there anything that you would do different or that your dad might say he'd do different? Um, you were the first person that's asked me that in seven years. And I think that if anything 
we could do differently. There are some sales calls I would have made earlier and more aggressively, um, or I guess pursued them harder. Um, but really, there's there's not too much that I would do differently. Okay. Um, Are you willing to expand on that a little bit? Well, just just pursuing different accounts that we either used to have or do have now, um, and seeing if we couldn't either retain some of those accounts that we that we used to have, or seeing if we couldn't. Um, pursue some of the accounts that we have now at an earlier date, you know, just basically it's just a, a top line growth kind yeah. of things. So, so was that, do you, do you feel like that was because you were coming into something new and just not ready to go have those conversations or um, had something else taken place? Um, I think it was more a, a, a matter of just, getting our hands around everything that was going on. And um, some of it was just timing of transition, you know, lost, mm -hmm. lost a couple of accounts, just bad timing with um, when we bought the company and, and how the account was on its way out or growing or not growing and, and uh, things like that. Nothing, nothing egregious by anybody, just circumstantial, unfortunate kinds of things. Yeah. Well, that that's sometimes the best learning comes from that, that type of experience. Well, like I said earlier, we're coming to the end of, of this and I do appreciate you taking the time to share with us. If you had any, you know, if you had any parting wisdom to share with our listeners, our entrepreneurial community, uh, based on your experience, what would you have to say to them? That client appreciation gifts from Woody Candy Company are probably the best way to grow your business. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. I, I, I will say um, they are good. I, and, and again, this is not a I, I, I'm not soliciting for you, but um, firsthand experience. It's you guys put out a good product and I, I've enjoyed it. So that begs the question, if somebody wants to learn more about you, Brian, Woody Candy Company um, has a question, whatever. What's the best way for them to, to connect and learn more? Our website is woodycandy.com. Our office phone number is area code 405-842-8903. We have a Facebook account that is at Woody Candy. Um, and if you want to get in touch with me directly, um, that, that office phone number works perfectly. Um, I will be out of the office for a while. Um, we're recording this on what's today's date. I'm, I'm getting all my days mixed up right now, but that's all right. We're uh, in January. Middle yeah, January. we are in January. And, uh, in less than 24 hours, my wife will be having a C-section with our second child. So I'll be out of the office for a few weeks. But uh, after that, I will be back in the office and uh, geared up and ready to go. Maybe a bit sleep deprived, but <laughs> we, can all, we can all get through that. So. Absolutely. Well, congratulations to you and your wife. Um, and and we look forward to, to hearing how everything goes. 
Guys, you've been listening to another edition of the Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast. Remember, if you want to learn more about Woody Candy Company, you can check it out at woodycandy.com. Uh, you can check our show notes, our show note notes, and we will have that information uh, on our website. And along with many other resources, you can catch that at www.epicsbiz.com. For those of you that don't know, that's epicsbiz.com. You'll check out the show notes, resources that we have available. If you want to learn more about some of our programs, our mastermind programs, um, some of the one-on-one work we do, be sure to check it out on the website as well. And as always, we love your feedback and suggestions. Email me personally rick at epicsbiz.com. That's again, rick at epicsbiz.com. We appreciate you listening as always. And until next time, stay safe. And remember, we're only getting started. The Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast is sponsored by Epic Business Advisory, where we help entrepreneurs escape the owner's trap, build businesses that can succeed without you, allowing you the opportunity to realize more freedom, think bigger, and pursue next-level goals. Download our freedom formula at epicsbiz.com slash formula. And remember, we're only getting started.